What's up, guys? This is the Clean Up Spot Podcast, Episode 2. I'm Javik Blake here with Tim Crowley. We're breaking down everything in baseball once again for you here. First up on the docket, we have Anthony Rizzo's comments about the 162-game schedule. We'll dive deep into the New York Mets' hot start to the season. We'll talk about the Puerto Rico series, which happened just this week, for a little bit. And we'll talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox rivalry. What's gone right for one side of the rivalry and what's gone, well, not so good for the other side of the rivalry. We'll dive into some fan mail. For you guys, we'll answer some of your burning questions as we're baseball's finally underway. We're almost 20 games into the season. We're almost an eighth of the way through the season, and a lot's happened so far. Yeah, you know, I am a lot of surprises, honestly. I I felt that, you know, the Mets, they had a shot if their pitching could come back and if their offense could at least give them a chance. Uh, did I expect them to be the second-best team in baseball? Probably not. Um, I've been really satisfied. I mean, I think it's pretty easy to be satisfied when your team only has two losses on the year. Um, and you know, I, it's just been a great start to the year. Um, a lot of home runs, which is what we like to see. Um, it's been a great year and it's been, a, it's been very eventful just because of a lot of surprises out of the gate, which keeps the game interesting. With the Mets especially, they're 14 and five now. And when we did our preseason show in episode one, I didn't, I picked them fourth in the National League East. I, I think they're I, proving me wrong. I didn't think they had the pitching. I thought they were too old, but they're looking really good right now. I think I had them second. I think I had them just missing the second wild card, which I, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to make a change yet because there's a lot of teams that come out Small hot. Small sample sizes. Right. Small sample right. sizes. There's a lot of teams every year that come out hot in April and then they crash and burn by was July. was it the White Sox two years ago who were gliding into the break with a huge advantage? Right. And then they fell apart. And you even have like teams like the Dodgers who are 9-8. and eight. The Cubs are... Eight and eight, I think, and right. the Nationals aren't even over five hundred. So, it, it's early. It's April. The weather's also horrific, which kind of plays into the fact there. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, the yeah. look what happened with the Blue Jays this week. Their roof. If you haven't heard this story, it's a crazy story. They play right next to the CN Tower in Toronto, or that's where the Rogers Center is. A piece of ice, a chunk of ice fell off the CN Tower and went through the roof of the Rogers Center and their game had to be postponed. So even if you're indoors, you can't escape the elements. I still think my favorite part of this, so I don't know if you, um, for anyone that follows the Blue Jays on Twitter, it was really funny. So um, I think there was somewhere else in the um, in the city, it might have been for the Raptors or Maple Leafs game, they had said, you know, well, oh, well, we're having problems here and here, so we might not play the game tonight. The Blue Jays Twitter uh, account tweets out, uh, yeah, so we uh, due to impending weather, we will... Be playing because we have a roof. Three hours later, our game has been canceled due to extreme roof damage caused by this ice storm. Not that we were subject to the elements tonight either. Out down in um, some minor league ball tonight, you and I were able to go catch in Pawtucket. It was freezing cold. There was like 400 people there. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was kind of funny. There's no one at these games, especially early in April. I don't know. It, it was. It was. It you was. You can l- see Ronald Acuna Jr. though. Yeah, and you know, um, hopefully we have a new listener after tonight. You know, uh, we we gave um. Dr. Chill 6, Sam Travis, a little shout-out on Twitter earlier. Um, Got to love when we ask what Saturdays are for. He responds with the boys. Got to love that. Um, Ruznik Sio, obviously my boy. And then uh, Keith Folk, the 04 closer for the Sox, hooking me up with a ball tonight. Shout-out to him. If you want to see more from this Paw Sox thing, though, A, we're going to be there tomorrow. And B, we will have a vlog dropping on YouTube. Finally going to have some YouTube content out for you guys. That's going to be up hopefully tomorrow or Sunday. The most underrated thing about this whole thing, and you'll see it in the vlog, Ruzny Castillo. Now, Tim, you tried for five innings to get a baseball from Ruzny Castillo. Ruzny Castillo finally sees him out in the crowd, goes to throw him one, and we're right behind the left field wall. Goes to throw him one, doesn't make it over the wall, and it might have been the most embarrassing moment of his career. Well, it made it over and the wall. And that is why he's a bust. It made it over the wall, but it got stuck in like the crack between like the actual like seating and um, the actual like padding of the fence, which is like he could not do that again if he tried. It was also hilarious because he tried to get you a baseball, and he's getting paid to play baseball, and he couldn't even make it to you. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was an experience. It was a fun night. It was a fun night, but this April weather has been horrific for everybody, up and down, uh, all over the place. It's been rough. F- final summary of the night, Sam Travis is for the brand. <laughs> by by the people. Pat McAfee like that. Sam Travis is by the people for the people. All right. So we're diving in. First things off, Anthony Rizzo who says, I think we play too much baseball when asked about the 162-game schedule this week on WGN. Now, it might have been a tad biased considering it's come after this miserable April weather where we had to play a game when it was 22 degrees outside and snowing. 
and much of the U.S. has been experiencing that. It was a little interesting, and it could really get you thinking, what would a change in the schedule really happen? I think in a lot of ways, as far as maybe the like the, the general fan perspective, it's going to help. Because, put it this way, a lot of people you talk to, is there really one person you can probably name that can honestly say, I watch 162 games every year? I think in that sense, from a fan perspective, there's a lot of maybe too many games. But I totally understand why the players are making this push. Yeah, 162 games. I think um, years ago when I read Dustin Pedroia's book, he makes a great point, point about this when he talks about offseason training. You're not just conditioning your body to be an athlete. You're conditioning yourself and p- like pacing yourself for what could possibly be eight months out of the year when you're pushing yourself every single day to be the best you can be. So I get why the players are making this argument. I get Anthony Rizzo's side. Do I like it? Maybe not because I just love baseball. I can never get enough. I always want there. I always wanted to be on. But at the same time, I need to be a human being that can consider other people's opinions. Now you kind of did. I kind of went deep in on this. I was researching up. You know, the 154 game schedule which has been in place for a while in baseball. They changed it. Now this is kind of an interesting thing. They changed it in the American League when they expanded to 10 teams in 1961, but they changed it in the National League in 1962. So for that 1961 season, the American League, with the Yankees won 103 games that year, the American League played 162 games, while the National League still played 154 for that whole year, which is kind of interesting if you look at it, but it's been in place for, at this point, the American League 57 years, 57 years of math is correct, but they have been adding some more off days. This MLB CBA, the new one, expanded the schedule for this year to include four more off days in 2018 now. For 2018, four more than last year in 2017 now. The problem is the horrendous weather in April has taken away many of those extra off days. Now, I'm in favor of those 162 games. But I could see the MLB reverting back to 154 when they inevitably expand to, 100, uh, to 32 teams which would get the schedule to 154 with the way the divisions work out. And just so players could have more off days, and therefore it can increase the competition day out and day in and day out with every single game. Now, the problem was 154, I think you cut it off there. That's the lower limit because any less, it hurts attendance and it hurts teams' chances for making more money. But once they expand to 32, I could see them maybe. But then you have an impasse between the owners and the players because at the end of the day, the owners would never concede revenue with losing four home games. And to combat that loss of revenue, even though it won't be too much, they'll say, all right, now the players, you get to take a pay cut. And the MLBPA would never agree to that. So I don't think it'll ever work. I think 162 is where we'll be at. I would understand if they went to 154. I understand the players would like it. But then they would get paid less, and the owners would make less money, and no one would be happy. So I, I, I think we're here with 162 to stay. The question just becomes, what, what both sides, what are the sacrifices you're willing to make? Obviously, you, you don't want to lose a lot of revenue right now. I mean, baseball, it's sad to think that it's a little bit on the decline, but I think it's just because you see all these high-impact sports, like the rise of football and basketball right now in, in the country. Do you just classify basketball as a high-impact sport? Huh, well, maybe not high-impact, but maybe faster-paced, better word, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, baseball still rules. Yeah, it, I, I'm. Trust me, we we can't trust basketball. me, my friend. <laughs> trust me, my friend. You and I are still part of the nice little historian group that really still respects. We're bringing America. the age demographic in baseball down. That's right. We are we are true historians of America's ha- pastime, and we love it. All I'm saying is that I think obviously you're going to lose a little bit of revenue um, by losing those games, but you're also going to bring a little more consumers back in. Just because of the fact that, you know, it's a couple less games they have to watch every year, which means they can focus their attention on the games they are watching and at the same time keep your players happy, which at the bo- at the end of the day is the most important thing. Yeah, I just don't I just don't see it ever happening. I don't think the owners would concede the revenue, and I don't think the players would take a pay cut. Now, I think they'd like playing less games, but at the end of the day, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I don't think it's plausible yeah. for, for either side to agree to it. Because something forbid, you know, Oh, I'm only making nine point five million a year instead of ten. Oh my gosh, I'm actually gonna sell my Lambo. Oh no. Yeah, it's not happening. No. I think we're nope. here with one six two. Anthony Rizzo. Sounds good to me. It's a valiant effort, but I'll take more baseball. But we, we love you here, buddy, but you're wrong. You're wrong.
You're wrong. One half of the Brizzo Incorporated. You are incorrect. Wrong. He's wrong. But now on to the Mets. Hot start. They're 15-5 as of today, which is Friday. We're recording this. It's about to be Saturday in nine minutes because we're recording this at 11.45 at night. Because it's what we do. It's what we do. The it's grind the, never this stops. This is what we do here at but the, the New York spot. Mets, hot start. They're now 15-4. First in the NL East. Best record in the National League. And the reason everyone is healthy. I saw this on Twitter. It would blew my mind. Last time through the rotation was the first time that DeGrom, Syndergaard, Mats, Harvey, and Wheeler were all healthy and all pitched in a rotation at the same time ever, which is crazy. And you see, this is what I love is I was I spent most of it, so we're on we're on April vacation this week. I actually spent a couple days at the beginning of the week um, going back and watching some stuff from 2015 just because I've been weaving back and forth through the last couple of postseasons. How fun was that mess team to watch when they had those core four going for them in the postseason? When you get guys like Harvey and Syndergaard and DeGrom on, they're so fun to watch. That's why I've always said the last couple of years, and you and I have talked about this. I think we talked about it briefly in our last episode. If the mess can just stay healthy, they're going to present challenges to the entire National League. How far they go, that depends on, if the, again, if they can stay healthy, how the strength of the league develops the rest of the year. But I think if they stay healthy, they're going to, they're going to pose a threat to they anyone in the National Terry League. Collins. That's right. Terry Collins was such – he wasn't a great manager. And they have Mickey Cowley, who knows pitching. He built that Indian staff up, and they were dominant last year. And it's a much more relaxed environment without Terry out here trying to rip people's heads off. Plus, Terry Collins just wasn't a good manager. He went to the World Series once, but that, that was it. And they, they were bottom feeders for a while. Here's a, here's a quick Terry Collins managerial question I have for you. I want you to think back to World Series Game 5 2015. Remember Matt Harvey pitches eight innings, and he has the fight with Terry Collins in the dugout about coming back out, and it eventually led to the tying in game when he runs for the Royals um, later in the game. Would you have let Harvey start the ninth? Well, if we're armchair managing three years later, no. At the time, would you? I gotta go back and watch that game. If he's he had, cruising, he had like just he was cruising, but he had like just reached a hundred pitches. Game five of the World Series, I don't risk it. I say, you've done your job, you've done great, but we need to win this game and we're sending it to the pen. Then we're you, bringing in our closure and we're shutting it down. Because if if I think if you give Familia a clean inning, I think he takes care of the job. Because then you go back to Casey, that would make the series 3-2. You have DeGrom going game six, and say you won game six, you have Noah Syndergaard going game seven. Yeah, see, that's what you got to do. You have to, which is what Mickey Callaway brings to this Mets team. He's like, hey, I'm a pitching coach. Yeah, you hit 100 pitches. We're standing at the bullpen, and we're getting this done. Now, we're not. You've done your job. You've done great, but you're you're done for the night. We're sending it to the pen. We're shutting this down because we're going home with a win. And that's what Mickey Callaway brings to this team. He knows pitching. He knows pitchers. And that's really his forte. And with this rotation, as good as they are, having a manager who is a, his mindset on pitching, it's really going to help this team. And when you can have someone that can help develop, obviously, I think it's safe to say the starting rotation of the Mets is forever, for the foreseeable future going to be the core of their team. When you have someone that can only develop your top strength, it's only going to help your ball club. And Noah Syndergaard, he's looking unhittable. I, I don't know if you any of you caught his game against the Brewers. Ridiculous. It was nuts. It's, it, not, it's not fair. It, it's like wiffle balls. This year is stat line. He's pitched 21 in the third innings, 33 strikeouts. And his swinging strikes is at 16.9%. Batters are swinging and missing, which is up almost a little more than 3% from last year, which means he's getting guys to swing and miss more. His opponent's average is down to 210. He's dominant this year. See, I think we kind of expected this as long as the pitching staff is going to stay healthy. We know what they're capable of, especially after a couple of years ago. What I've really loved is because the Mets have loved making moves to their lineup. It's like, it's an addiction for them. Oh, like every two months, okay, we need a new bat in here. We need a new bat in here. We need a new bat in here. They found some consistency in this lineup that I really like, especially when you can put guys like Cespedes and Frazier together. Look back to the other night and look at now, I think they find a lineup that they've been confident with and a lineup that they know, you know what, if we go down a game, we're going to be fine. They're playing the Nationals on Wednesday. They're down 4-2 in the 8th inning. They put together 9 runs in the 8th inning to come back and win. Here's the sequence of how it goes. Single, 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 out. 
two-run single, walk, out. Two-run double, walk, walk, grand slam, out. That is a great fight in, in a lineup. And I think if you can finally get that, if you're a Mets fan, you should be really excited for this summer. Yeah, it's better than the night before, but they allowed seven runs in the last two innings. The bullpen imploded. But we haven't touched on that yet, and the bullpen's been very good. Yeah. It's, that, it's, it's, it's very not, good. Jairus Familia has yet to allow an earned run yet in 10.1 innings pitched. He has 13 strikeouts. He's 7 of 8 on saves. And Robert Selman has only 300 runs in 10.1 innings pitched with 15 strikeouts and only four walks in the year. Yeah, it's awesome to see a little bit of development in that Mets bullpen because for years it was literally just Familia and that's it. Now it's Familia and some other guys. Familia has been dominant this year. He hasn't allowed, as I said, he hasn't allowed an earned run yet. I think he's what the Mets kind of need to start treating Familia with is the same way the Red Sox are treat, um, treating Chris Sale in the beginning of the year. We learned in October that you were kind of getting burned out a little bit because we used you so much during the year. Let's limit you and find a supporting cast for you early in the season that's going to keep you fresh. And I think if the Mets can do that with Familia, he's only going to be better come September, October. And if they keep putting up like 8,000 runs a game, they should be fine. They <laughs> don't like, need him at the end. Sounds and like the a offense is even been good. As Drew Cabrera, I mean, you had said it. And sadly, Todd Frazier is doing very good. I'm, I'm still kind of sad the Yankees didn't get him. I love Todd Frazier. The guy... The guy is the epitome of the heart and soul of baseball. He loves to play. He's so much fun to watch. Last year in the ALDS was a blast to see him out there. It was awesome to see. And he's doing great. He has a 438 OBP. It's wild. As Drew Cabrera is batting 343 with 10 extra base hits, and both of them have an OPS north of 900. They've been doing fantastic. It's their, their ranks are all up and batting. They're third in the NL in walks, fifth at least strikeouts, second in OBP at 339. They're pitching. They've only allowed 61 runs. They're second in the ERA with the 3.17, and they're third in strikeouts. So they're, they're ranking at the top. The other categories, they're in the middle, but they're good enough that they aren't, they aren't dominating any categories, but they're at the top constantly, which is what you want to see. They're keeping the line moving, which is all you have to do. Quick side note, and I think we need to talk about this at some point. So the Red Sox are on the West Coast right now. It's just before midnight here on the East Coast. So obviously we have the game on the background, informed baseball people. I happen to look up for a minute, and I just see Johnny Gomes just randomly comparing a regular bat with an axe bat. What's your feeling on those? The axe bats? Do you I've like them? I've never swung an axe bat in my life. I don't know. A lot of people, like as far as even not just major leagues, but even kids like ours are starting to use them now. And I'm, I'd still love to know the reasoning of why they have a benefit for people. So just to clarify, it is we are recording this on Friday night. It's going to be Saturday in just a few minutes. The, I remember those are like the remember the Don Mattingly bats back when we were little. Yeah. Which the people let people know when we were little was like ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, that that was ten years ago. We were that was two thousand eight. We were like seven. Uh, remember those bats? That's kind of what they look like. Yeah. Like the, the V grip. I don't, I thought they were stupid and they were really uncomfortable to swing. Yeah. <laughs> I had friends who had them in Little League. I was like, why are you using this? This uh, is gross. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like a you problem. All I'm going to say. I don't know. I didn't like them and they kind of look like the same thing. Yeah. They do look like an axe though. I will give them that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so moving on the Puerto Rico series, I know you went deep into this. I did two great series. The Francisco Lindor home run was one heck of a moment. I mean, that was awesome. The fact that he apologized for it, the media, I guess we can't are the media cause we have a podcast. Um, you all suck for making him apologize. Like, come on. It's He's his home Puerto country. Rico in his hometown and Puerto Ricans love baseball and when some, they go nuts. I mean, you saw the Puerto Rican baseball team, in the world baseball classic. They went crazy. So when you hit a home run in your hometown that has been without power for how long? Months. 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 Five months at this point. They yeah. had an island-wide blackout on Saturday night. Not Saturday. Like Tuesday or whatever. Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday night. They were playing the second game of that series on generators. When you have an island, a territory of the United States, by the way, not its own nation. Quick little tidbit there. You... Like, let the man have his fun. I don't know. I, I I, think the worst thing we can do now, and I think some of the old baseball fans are really interpreting this the wrong way, where they see players playing with playing with emotion as more of a showboating thing. 
moments like those when Francisco Lindor hits his home run and the entire stadium erupts to celebrate one of its favorite sons, I think that's one of the reasons we love baseball. I love seeing that passion, and I think it can only enhance the game. Um, and just look at all that this game did for the city. I mean, you have three star players coming back, and I mean, some of them I, I don't know, on the brink of stardom maybe. Um, Francisco Lindor is a star. Definitely a star. No, no Jose cool. Barrios, brink of stardom. Roberto Perez is more of like sparks here and there. He's been, he's been a reliable catcher for them. He does a little, he does a little bit here and there in the playoffs. Um, but I think it's so good to have Puerto Rico welcome some of its best players back. It's good to expand. I think I like baseball expanding a little bit outside of the continental U.S. I'm not saying I like this in all sports because we all know how uh, NF, the NFL is when they travel over to Wembley for a couple That's games. That's because no one cares about American football in England. People That's, love baseball. Right. Baseball is a worldwide Because when they went to Cuba last year, that was the same thing. People in Cuba love baseball. People in Puerto Rico love baseball. They do this in other countries like Venezuela, Mexico. Are they doing a series in Mexico? I think they are. I think they might. I think later in the summer, I think they're trying to at some point. With Mexico and just other places like that, it, it helps grow Major League Baseball and helps them love their star players even more if those players get to go back to their places. Like I'd love to see the Astros Play a series in Venezuela. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Just, uh, and then I, 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 even the games were close. I mean, it's not like they just went there and there's like exhibition like blowouts. I mean, the Indians won six one the first game. Kluber was Kluber. I mean, I think that was awesome for the Puerto Ricans to get to see uh, one of the best pitchers that um, we get. We get. We're lucky enough to see every five days. And game two. Oh my gosh! I four and one yeah. half hours later, we yeah. are in the fifteenth inning, and yeah. it is still zero zero. Mad respect for the people. I have a lot of respect for the people that stayed that entire game. Ryan Lamar hits the walk off single. The fact that you were at that these people were at a game where no one scored until the fourteenth inning when Enc- uh, Edwin Encarnacion hits the home run, then Miguel Sano follows him him with his own to tie the game in the bottom of the fourteenth. I don't know. It's it's a it's a marathon game, but you have to love it. Um, the pitching was great that night. Barrios was dominant. Carrasco for the Indians, while he wasn't um, a Puerto Rican, like I don't think he's from Puerto Rico. I think he's from another um, Latin American country. I forget what it is. We'll have to look into that. He was great. Awesome to see some more. Um, just the influence of Latin baseball in our world. I think it was great to see. Um, and I think it gave the island just something to come together to, even through the power outage. And I know your guy, Zach Campbell, was there, too. So he, there's two videos. Of... Don't get me started on that guy. Jose Barris from Puerto Rico. Yeah, I know. Who are we trying to figure out, then? Carrasco. Oh, Carlos Carrasco? All right. All right. Well, go go, go on your... My, what, my Zach Campbell rant? Your Zach Campbell right. rant. I can't Z- stand Zach Campbell. Okay. Well, you know what? I'd like to have him on the show for, at some point to explain himself. You guys, I think that would be... Carrasco is from Venezuela. That's what I thought. I think it would be great to have him on the show eventually because, I mean, he is a rising celebrity, I guess, in the baseball world to a certain extent. But I think it would be awesome to have him come on the show and have you guys just, like, verbally hug it out and just settle your differences. I think it would be a great time. All right. The guy is – how old is he? He has to be north of 30. He He's a 30-year-old. He's a grown man. Who lives his life catching foul balls like a 12-year-old? What? Grow up. You go to baseball games to watch baseball, not to catch foul balls from people. Like, he gets mad when people don't give him foul balls. You're 34. Calm down. I know. I do like this ball that Keith Folk gave to me tonight as I hold it. You're 17. You're not 30. Yeah, I know. But I still, well, I mean, yeah, it's still kind of old, but I'm not making it like a priority. Like, I went to. He's making it a priority. Right. I don't do it as a priority. I'm like, you know what? If I'm out in the outfield, there's no one there. Yeah, maybe I'll ask for a ball, but it's not a priority. I still go to watch baseball because that's why you should go to the games and not, I don't know. Ball hawking is just a really crazy topic, but I don't know. Like I said, I think you and Zach need to hug it out. All I'm going to say. Okay. But going back to the Lindor home run, when you said great moments with the great home runs deserve the appreciation, the old baseball folk are like, well, let me tell you, when I well, was a I kid, do, I do declare. When I was a kid in nineteen in the seventies and eighties, nobody did this. Nineteen ninety three, Joe Carter, Game Seven, Toronto Blue Jays against the Philadelphia Phillies at the Sky Dome at the time. Walk off home run. I've never seen a man more excited than Joe Carter when he hit that home run. The guy jumped around the bases. 
Now, I know maybe the old-time baseball folk are like, well, it's game 17 of the season. Joe Carter had so Joe Carter when he hit that home run went crazy. I mean, there's certain baseball moments where you just get to go crazy. I don't care if it's game 17 or game 130. If you homer in your hometown, especially if you're Puerto Rican and how much they love baseball, how much the people in Latin America value family, value togetherness, you deserve to go nuts. Right. I I personally I loved it. I I literally starred that in my notes as soon as I watched that homer. I'm like, this is something that we need to praise. I love watching Francisco Lindor. I think is he the he's the one that's nicknamed Mr. Smiley, right? I think I think, he I think is. so because I honestly have never seen the guy not smile. No, the guy he, love playing. I I, I love watching Lindor because he just brings this energy like no one else to the field. I love players that play with passion. I think it was great. It was one heck of a moment. I loved it. I mean. It it was it was really cool, especially for for an island like Puerto Rico, who's really suffering recently. I mean, they need some things to to help lift them up. It's it's awesome. I mean, there, there's not more I can say. I mean, it was great. The series, hopefully, it brought back some some a little break, a little enjoyment to the to the island that's been ravaged by hurricanes and has lost power. Their power grid went down for 36 hours on the entire nation. That game, their second game of that series was played on generators. It's it's awesome when you can see sports bring people together like that did, where they're able to, to help and go out, provide a little relief from those people, and and just take their minds off things. Because if you live in Puerto Rico, you've had a rough stretch of things. It's it's great that baseball and sports has that, has that feel that can get people back together, take their mind off of things, and just provide some entertainment. That's why we play. It's it's why they play and Francisco Lindor's home run that brought some of that entertainment and we're all for bat flips here on the show. <laughs> we are all for bat flips and fun here on the Queen of Pop podcast. Okay. Are you ready to talk about your boys? The Yankees. See, when in the beginning of the show I set it up as we'll talk about what has gone right on one side of the rivalry and what has gone horribly wrong on the other. The Yankees is that horribly wrong. I'm not pressing the panic button yet, but my oh my, they are seven games back of the Red Sox currently. They are nine and nine. I think we're nothing is clicking. Nothing is clicking. The offense rarely comes together, and when it does, the bullpen finds a way to screw it up. And when the bullpen doesn't find a way to screw it up, they're already screwed because the pitching, the starting pitching, screwed up in the ongoing. And when the pitching is all good, the batting doesn't decide to show up. And when everything shows up, the defense decides to just fail miserably. It's bad. I, I can't stand it. It is, it is borderline making me want to put my head through a wall every time I watch the Yankees game. It is deplorable. They lead the American League in errors. They have a 971 fielding percentage. That's disgusting. I don't know. And Matsuyo Tanaka and Sonny Gray get it together. As we say that, the Red Sox just hit their fifth grand slam of the year. Mitch Moreland, oh, I love you. I love this. Sonny Gray and Tanaka need to step it up. Both of them have ERAs north of six. Sonny Gray lasted, what, three innings tonight? Three and a third. Gave up five runs. They need to get it together. Severino, he's looked good. He's three and one with a 2.63. 28 strikeouts, eight walks, and 24 innings. By their defense. Oh. And Tanaka and Sonny Gray. Tanaka looks like what he did last year before he finally turned it on in October. He, well, uh, Yankee fans are hoping... He'd take that October and how good he was and bring it over into the new year. It hasn't happened at all. And Sonny Gray, everyone, when the Yankees got him at the trade deadline, they were thinking, yes, this is the guy we need. This is a guy to back up Severino and really help our, help the rotation out and carry this team. And he's been trash. Yeah. He, he has been hot garbage, stinking garbage. Yeah, um, I... Uh... I, I can't share in your misery right now considering Yes, because fact- your team is 16-2. and two. It is... It's annoying. I'm, I'm jealous. Huh? I, I think yeah, I have you to should be. I think I'm jealous. Of like I said, you know, it's still early, but you know, this is excellent to see. Um, I think every possible question that people have had a, a, about the Red Sox has been answered. Um, I think the power is certainly back. I mean, after Moreland just literally hit this all of 30 seconds ago, they already have five grand slams on the year um, without ha- even having one last year. They're last in the American League in home runs. They're already mi- above middle of the pack right now. Mookie Betts is on another planet. And I said this, I think, in one of either our test episode or the first one. 
Matty, please come back to Earth for the sake of all Yankee fans. So no, we don't have to hear he can't. About Mookie this, Mookie that. It's very no, annoying. he can't. See, can we, can we have Judd and Stanton go to another planet? That'd be great. See, 2016 was the real Mookie Betts. I think last year he kind of fell off a little bit. It was the total just persona of the team, I think, that brought everyone down. This is a new-look team that I absolutely love watching. I love what Alex Cora is doing. The energy has been awesome. J.D. Martinez was really scaring me early. He's come on. He's, I think he's fourth in the league in average right now. Um, the RBIs have been there. He's been hitting home runs to all different fields. Raphael Devers has been awesome. And I think the way they've been in, able to handle Moreland and Hanley switching off at first has been good. And this is why I would be horrified if I were you. The Red Sox have gone I'm on. I'm not t- horrified. I'm just mortally terrified that the that it might not never click, and I'm in for an 81-81 season, and I'm jumping off a roof if that happens. All I'm saying is, it that would be gross. It would be gross if all this hype happened and the Yankees go like 90 and 72. All I'm saying is this: the Red Sox have already gone on two separate winning streaks of seven games or more. They're doing this without the likes of Drew Pomerantz, who they didn't get back until tonight. Xander Bogarts went on the DL. Dustin Pedroia is not back till around May. Tyler Thornburg still has to come back. They're still missing some very key pieces to this team, and without them, they're still the best team in baseball. What they can do at full strength is going to appall me, and I'm going to absolutely bask in the glory of my boys. All right, you know what? But you know what? Look at the date. April... 21st. I know. It's still It's still early. I'm, the World I'm Series say. starts in October, and here is what it is. Yankee fans out there, here is your rallying cry. I would rather slump in April than slump in October. The, the Yankees slump in April, you know what? If they're going to go 9 9 and start out okay, as long as they're not like the Reds and are like 4 and 19, which is 4 and 16, 4 and 19, whatever, it's absolutely horrible. Rest in peace, Brian Price's job. Yeah, Brian Price should have got fired last year. Fan mail, actually. We have a question from somebody about that. But the bullpen hasn't – the bullpen's been shaky. Batances has been really shaky. I I don't I don't trust the guy anymore. That even goes back to last year, though. Yeah, it's been a while. Aaron Boone keeps putting him in, and it keeps uh, – it's bad. But you know what? It's early. And the Yankees can turn it around. There's a lot of time left, and you know what? I hope we. I sit here in October laughing as the Yankees raise their 28th World Series trophy, laughing at the fact that I was concerned about this team in April. I think if one of our teams ends up going on to win some hardware in the fall, I think the other co-host should have to buy their championship apparel for the other. For the other, so. All right. You yeah. know what? I'll agree to that deal. We have it in audio form at the. We have it in audio mark. form. Yeah, I think I think that All sounds right. good. All right. Quick thing about your boy, um, your big acquisition though. Uh, we've reached this part of the show that I'm starting to love because I get to use my favorite sound effect. It's time for the Crowley comparison. Uh, so here's what we got. This is through 16 games with Stanton. Yeah, he had three home runs. He's hitting a buck ninety-seven, which is <laughs> really funny. Still not the funniest part. Wait, nope, that is outdated. He's bought above two hundred. I huh. swear he's above two hundred. Not, I said through sixteen games. Through sixteen games, yes, but I swear he's above two hundred because that sounds so bad. One ninety-six. Okay. Like, I think in high school I'm hitting better than one ninety-six. Huh? Well, I'm batting a thousand right now. Who you? So. Who you go? But I don't I've, think I've he's... also only had one at bat. So. Give me a minute. I don't think he's hitting. I think he's hitting above two hundred. But continue on. All right. Like I said, through sixteen games. Buck 97. Two. Okay. In the history of baseball, only one other player. Boom. Yes, he's hitting 205. Continue. Okay. Cool. Okay. That's not through 16 games. All I'm saying. In the de- I think it was in the live ball era, only one other person has ever had two five strikeout games in the same year. Stanton did it in the course of what? A week and a half? Here's where I. When I think of this Stanton, here's what I think of. In 2011, after being with the Nationals. For a couple of years, Adam Dunn came to Chicago and was supposed to be this big power threat that was going to be a massive force in the middle of their lineup. In 122 games that year, he only had a buck 59 average, 11 home runs, and 41 RBIs, which was atrocious. Not to mention his 177 strikeouts, which is not gr- good, 
But when you look at how bad it even got the year after when he went to like 220 strikeouts in 2012, I don't think this is going to happen today, and I think Stanton's capable of turning it around. I hope he doesn't turn it around just for my sake, even though I love Giancarlo Stanton. Um, eh, maybe I don't love anymore because he's a Yankee, but I tolerate. Um, I hope he doesn't turn in. I As a baseball fan, I hope he doesn't turn into Adam Dunn because you know what, Javik? You hate to see that. You know what? I would like to bring up an interesting point, though. In his last two games, he is two for seven, a home run, two Ooh, RBIs. Two for seven? Wow. One walk and no strikeouts. And I think Aaron Boone did what he's smart. He moved him down in the lineup, made it so. I'd be hitting him ninth right now. Well, good thing you aren't the manager because he's batting fourth. Um, he moved him down in the lineup a bit. He made some changes, and it's helping his mentality. So he's with some other hitters, so he's not the top hitter. He's not the top hitter, excuse me. He's not the top hitter in the lineup. He's gotten moved down a bit, mixed in with some other guys, which should help him. Kind of be like, I don't have to be the guy. I just have to be one of the guys. And I think that's what J.D. Martinez has actually been doing for the Sox, which I like. He hasn't – I think early on he felt the pressure that he still needed to be the guy, but then he realized, you know what, we have a team with a lot of great guys on here. If I can just come in and help them get a little bit better, that's all I need to do, which is apparently working because Mookie Betts is returning to MVP form. Um, I think when you can – if Stanton can do something like that, it's only going to do wonders for the Yankees. Like I said, as a Red Sox fan, I hope that doesn't happen, but I think it could be an inevitable. You you can't be slump all year. Judge had a slump for a bit, but – that, that was it last year. I, I think they'll turn it around. I mean, it's going to turn around at some point. He's John Carlos Stanton. That's right. He's, all, he's historically had a horrible April every single year he's played, and we're still in April. So come May, watch out Major League Baseball. John Carlos Stanton's here to wreak havoc on you. Are you fan mail? Fan mail! And we're actually we're switching it up this week. So I feel like if we do fan mail, we should almost do like what they do with Wayne's World. Wayne's World! Wayne's World! Fan mail. Fan mail! You have mail. No, can we get the can we get the old AOL? You have mail. I figured that'd be creepy. Huh? Yeah, but it'd be awesome. It would. I be. would love that. Old AOL. What were you like? Th- what were we like? Two when it came out. You want to go uh, instant? Me- you want me to uh, slide into your AIM <laughs> instant messages? Tim, you're about eighteen years too late. Aw. Okay. Anyways, we're switching up um, fan mail just a little bit this week because we're actually starting with our own fan mail that we sent out. Um, if you listen to our first episode, which hopefully you did. We professed our, well, I think I should put, we professed our undying love for Marcus Stroman and Paul Goldschmidt. That's right. That's right. Do you want to go first or do you want me to take my boy? You know what? You can take the lead. Take okay. it away. So we, we decided first episode we were going to take some time to write letters to players that we felt um, were underappreciated in the league. Jay picked Paul Goldschmidt. I picked Marcus Stroman. So I'll actually read you my letter. Or maybe, yeah. do we want to read these full things? Because I went really, I got really deep in mine. Do you want to summarize or do you want to read the whole thing? I mean, whatever you want. I feel like I need to get on a violin, though, and play some quiet music that you hear at a fancy restaurant. Like, that along with the reading. Fancy music, or should we go, like, tonight's show, like, thank you, right, note music? J- I J- think I should bring on a violin. I don't know how to play violin, but I'll bring on a violin and I'll start playing some fancy music when Sh- you read your. Should letter. we go with the um, the uh, the small violin from SpongeBob? Oh, no. um, the smallest violin in the world playing you the saddest song. Yes. Okay. What read, a- read the whole letter. Why not? If you had, a, what's the what's the saddest song that like hits you the most, personally? This is a baseball podcast. We're keeping things on the diamond at all times. All right, read fine. your letter. Fine, read, read the letter. Fine. Dear Marcus Stroman, I'm 17 years old and I play baseball for my... You don't have to read that part. People know who you okay, are. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Make sure you're going to give out your address. Okay. People don't need to know where you live. Okay, well, huh? I'm not going to read my address. I was making sure. Sure. That voice crack was really bad, dude. Read the letter. Read Come the on. letter. Anyways. Uh, what what did I say to Marcus? My co-host and I are doing a segment where we write letters to players who we love to watch and we feel are sometimes forgotten by the baseball spotlight. I wanted to take a moment to express my appreciation for you as you are consistently one of the more underrated players in all of baseball. You're so fun to watch in the combination of amazing, amazing stuff as well as the persona on the mound that you bring like no other. The HDMH... HDMH mindset presents a wonderful outlook on life. As a baseball player, you inspired me to pitch with spirit and excellence. As a human being, you inspired me to never let any adversity stand in the way of my goals. 
Even as a diehard Red Sox fan, I cannot help but root for you every time you take them out. I find myself watching your highlights all the time to learn from you and just enjoy a, pl a player having the time of their life doing what they love. Thank you for being an inspiration. I wish you the best of luck in 2018. Sincerely, Tim Crowley. I think it's so cute you wrote to a division rival. Huh? Well, I mean, the Red Sox historically kind of – I mean, he isn't too great against the Sox. He's, he's like 500. So until he like fully like – until Marcus Stroman becomes my daddy – Okay, yeah, no don't, yeah, we're a family-friendly podcast. I don't think you can say that. Pedro said it. Like, that, not, not the way you're, <laughs> not the way you're thinking. Like, until, uh, we need to, uh, we need to shut it down until, now. Until, way too late. Until Marcus Stroman literally owns the Red Sox, I have no problem rooting for him. Yeah, it's, it's, I, hopefully he gets it. Hopefully he does. Hopefully he gets it. Hopefully this is like people like actually get. Yeah, I I, I I I cheated and in mailed mine because <gasps> the audacity. Uh, well, you were taking too long, so. Hey, hey! I wrote mine a while ago. Hey. Hey, I wrote mine uh, twelve hours ago. Sounds good. All right, so my letter to Paul Goldschmidt, the one and only from Arizona. Hi, dear Paul Goldschmidt. Hi, dear. I, I, <laughs> hi, dear Paul Goldschmidt. Hi. No, dear Paul. Oh, you know what? I was torn between Mr. Goldschmidt and Paul Goldschmidt. Because, you know, you don't know how formal you're going to get. But, dear Paul Goldschmidt, my name is Jay Blake, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and we broke down, in our latest episode, we broke down some players who we feel weren't appreciated enough on a national level. And my top choice was you. In Arizona, you've been putting up monster season after monster season. It's been a blast to watch. The way you helped lead the D-backs to the NLDS last year was truly must-watch TV almost every night. This year, I've been watching plenty of your games here on the East Coast, and you guys look to have something special brewing this year as well. Hopefully, you can continue with your hot streak at the plate recently. Best of luck to you and the D-backs. Sincerely, Javik Blake. Nice. Hopefully, they get it. Yeah. Hopefully. I don't know. It'd be pretty cool if they responded. I think, we, I think once we get our T-shirts going, too, I think we definitely have to get get them. Oh, definitely. They'll, they'll be hooked up with some stuff. No, we'll get them ready. We will. All right. On to, on to the actual fan mail from you guys. We'll be answering some of your questions. As always, you can hook us up on Twitter for it or on our Instagrams or, or on our own Twitters or per, anywhere. You can stop us on the street and ask us questions. We'd be okay with that too. However, the best way to probably do it is still on our Gmail because that's yes. how we kind of differentiate most of yeah. our stuff. Uh, cleanupspot1234 at gmail.com for any future fan mail questions. Probably in about two weeks, right? Two weeks. We'll be back at Two it. weeks. All right, let's get We're it going. We're trying to put a podcast out every two weeks. Let's, all right, let's get it going. Question number one, this comes in from Tyler. What is your biggest concern with each of your respective teams? You go first. I think we went over mine. It's like everything. Every, everything. <laughs> currently, I'm not pressing the panic button, but currently everything is a concern for the Yankees. Nothing is working. Right now, my biggest concern uh, is two words, Carson Smith. He's really scared me so far. Obviously, opening day was a nightmare. He hasn't been... He really hasn't been great in any of his other appearances. He's been a little more tolerable. I think once we can get him going, the bullpen's much more in their lockdown form because everyone else has really picked up their slack. Obviously, Kimbrell's one of the best relievers in the league. Uh, Joe Kelly's emerged. Joe Kelly Fight Club um, has been awesome. Um, I think if we can get Carson Smith going, there's a really good chance that this Red Sox bullpen can excel even more than they already have. All right, so you know what? I'm actually going to revise my answer because I'll narrow it down to one thing for you, Tyler. Um, it's going to be Masahiro Tanaka, Sunny Gray in the starting rotation. They need to get it together. They need to be. They need to stretch themselves out, give the bullpen less innings, and make it so that the bullpen has less work and they start putting their money where the mouth is. Uh, they they have to show up. They have to start getting longer appearances. You can't have guys going three point three and a third innings night in and night out night out. You need to get some distance from your starters so to take some of that relief off your relievers. No pun intended. And that's really what it is. It's that I'm gonna say the starting rotation is my concern. Yeah. Alright, uh, next question comes in from Nicole. What is going on with the Reds? Why didn't they fire Price at the end of last season? Honestly, that's a great question. I think their biggest thing is that Joey Votto is trying to lead a team of literal literal no ones to excellence. It's more like him and Eugenio Suarez, but they're, they're really a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. Don't they still have Homer Bailey? No, I feel they like, definitely don't. No way. I feel like they do. I feel like they I, do. I, I, don't, mm, 
They have Sal Romano. Well, then again, they still had Bronson Royo until like last year. So Bronson I mean. Royo, that's who I was thinking of, not the other. Yeah, he, reti- he, he retired at the end of last year. Yeah, Bronson Royo. They used to have him. They're just not a very good team. It's Joey Vine and Hingo Suarez. And to answer your question, Nicole, what is wrong with them? Everything. That's it. That's it. They have no one. But why they waited until this year to fire Brian Price, I'm not really sure. Maybe they were banking on him. It's not better this year, but I don't I don't understand. It's 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 like you're getting yourselves into a situation with the Cleveland Browns. Right. It was a tough situation. It's like yeah, like you think of the Cleveland Browns. It's not Hugh Jackson's fault that the team's 0 and sixteen. It's not Brian. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It's part of your job. Also, Hugh Jackson is a horrible coach. But yeah, that's a story for another time. Yeah. Exactly. Baseball podcast. Um. But I don't know. Brian Price is a nice guy, right? I don't know. Well. Take Ever heard the term "nice guys finish last"? Exactly. Currently, the Reds are last. That's literally the Reds. Literally, literally, literally the Reds right now. Yeah, they're bad. (laughs) It's it's rough. I feel I feel for your Reds country. Yeah. It's Uh, rough. All right. Uh, next question. This is specifically to you from our friend KJ. <laughs> How do you deal with the feeling of being in second place, asking for a friend? We really need to filter these out. We need to go through our Gmail and kind of filter out the bad ones. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, I, I, pers- place, I personally love it. It feels horrible. Question. That's how it feels, KJ. Not fun at all, especially when actually they aren't even in second place anymore. They're in third. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> they're in third. How, how you, so I don't even know what second is place play is like. Is Toronto in front? Or is it, Toronto's thirteen and like five. I don't understand. I don't they have know. the same. They have the same record as the Mets. I don't get it. Yeah, that's it's not, April. Nothing that, makes sense. That's not gonna the weather last. doesn't make sense. Sample sizes don't make sense. Records don't make sense. Who's leading in the National League? Does it make any sense? I can almost promise you that Toronto will not be in that position. No. Come two months. No. Question number four: uh, Should Dodger fans be le- legitimately concerned about being eight and nine at this part of the season? Are they having a World Series hangover? That's an interesting question. I, I like that. I don't think you should be concerned because right now they've actually been they've been doing really well. They, right. They've won in their last couple of series. They're they've they're on the uptick. And remember, they, they're they're missing their all star at third baseman because Justin Turner doesn't come back till end of May. I don't think. Yeah, so they're they're on the uptick. I wouldn't be too concerned. Right. It's it's April. We knew this was gonna hurt them. They've also won four in a row. The one thing that's concerned me though is Kenley Jansen's already blown more saves this year than he had all of last year. Now, see, that's just when you go too long in the that's just going deep into the postseason having a lot of runs. It's it's gonna take a while, but I wouldn't be concerned. I don't expect them to be at the same place as the Cubs at the all star break, but I, I, I don't think you can be concerned. Fans of Cal, fan, Dodger fans all over the country, I, I don't think you should be concerned. I, You'll be fine. You you'll, st- you'll be fine. You still have the best starting pitcher on the planet. Now, would I be concerned about Arizona being just as good as they were last year? Yep. But I wouldn't be concerned about the 8-9 start. I think the same is yeah. to be said about Colorado, too. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, we'll have to see. That's right. We actually just got this question um, literally like moments before we were starting the podcast. Now this one comes in from Ian. Uh, who is your Dark Horse team during the season and then into the playoffs? So I guess I think Dark Horse teams we already um, we did answer as far as regular season goes. I know I said Angels in the American League and I think I said Cardinals in the National League. Um, but I can give you another answer for the playoffs. Based on my bracket, I'm trying to think of who I've had. Maybe Milwaukee, if they get there. Dark horse team. My dark horse team to win the National League in general will be the Diamondbacks. They're so much fun to watch. They're they're a blast to watch. That's one of the, my teams. I didn't pick them in the beginning. I picked them to win the wild card in the beginning of the year and lose to Milwaukee in the wild card game. But they're a they're a fun team to watch and they're a good group of studs. So I'd expect them to do pretty well. They're, they're my dark horse team to not only go far, they might actually go to the World Series. Like they, I know it's April, and I'm dating myself. I'm dating myself with April, so I can say it's only April when I'm get proven wrong. If they lose like then thirty of the next forty, right. <laughs> but um, no, I think that I think they have a chance to do some damage this year. They're looking very well. Their pitching staff's looking good. Yes, they just lost Taiwan Walker to Tommy John surgery, and he'll be out for the rest of the year. But they're a very good team. Yeah, and they're on the uptick. 
I mean, they still have pretty reliable starters. Patrick Corbin, Robbie Ray, Zach Granke. They'll be ready. They'll be in good position. It'll be fun to watch. I mean, we got more baseball. What's better than that? That's right. I think that wraps up our questions, too. I think that does. Wrapping up the show. It's been great to uh, have you guys on for the ride. Thank you for listening, as always. And make sure to send in the fan questions. Please do. Gmail. Um... And like I said, I think definitely one Hawks vlog coming out this weekend. Possibly two. It depends if we still are on plan to go tomorrow, um, which right now I think we are. Um, de- so definitely check out Hawks vlog. going to be up on YouTube soon. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm trying to get together to like a little behind the scenes like look for you guys. See what we do to get ready for the show. How me and Javik might <laughs> react with each other during the show. Um, just little extra stuff for you guys. So make sure to keep an eye on YouTube lately because we are going to try to get some more content up for you. And uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter as well. Always That's right. look for more Twitter right. followers. At Cleanup Spot Pod. We have the best Twitter in the Podcast. baseball podcasting nation hosted by two 17-year-olds, of which one is the Yankees fan and one is the Red Sox fan. We are the best podcast out of all of them that are – Conforming to those we, we exact lo- things. We, we love all of you, our, all of our 42 followers. Yes. So we want more. We have as many followers as Jackie Robinson's number. Look at that. And it was Jackie Robinson Day the other day. Too. It was. It was. Why Half the games were rained out, but it was Jackie Robinson Day last week. That's right. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. We'll be back at it in two weeks, hitting you up with some more baseball. And uh, if you got any ideas for topics you want, too, I mean, we're more than open to listening what you guys think and what you guys are reacting. The fan questions hit them up as always. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. This is the Cleanup Spot. Maybe you should say-